Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome to a very special Brownlow edition of the ESPN Footy Podcast today. If uh, the Brownlow is football's night or night, so this podcast is the podcast of podcasts. We're going to try and break down the likely winner, take a look at some cheeky betting action and see if there's any correlation between stats and Brownlow winners, if at all. Jake Michaels, you're just about jumping out of your seat in anticipation for this episode. I'm pretty sure you told me before that you didn't get much sleep thinking about it. Uh, not just this episode, but the Brownlow. I, I can't sleep. Like you, People might think I'm a, an absolute nerd and we're a weirdo for saying this, but the three or four days before the Brownlow, I can't sleep. I'm so excited for it. And so many people are just like, oh my God, it's so boring listening to Gil McLaughlin or Andrew Demetrio recalling out the votes. Um, no, I, I love it. I, I just love trying to work it out. Um, everything involved in it, the predictors, the, the, the betting odds, everything about it. Uh, I can't wait. And this year, and look, let's be honest, previous years, the last couple we've had, we've, we've sort of known who's going to win before the count. This year, I mean, there's four genuine chances to win it. And I don't think anyone would be surprised with either of those four winning it. So no, I can't wait. Really excited. Well, you've put your head down. You've put a body of work into analyzing every game this year and the Brownlow and the potential outcomes. And we'll get to your predictor in a minute, but Christian Jolly from Champion Data, it's fair to say you're probably not as, uh, I guess, excited as Jake. Are you sleeping okay at night leading into the Brownlow? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting plenty of sleep. Um, no, I, I love I love the, pres- the prestige of the award and, you know, the award itself and the history of it. But, yeah, I, don't know, I, th- I think I'm with the people that were telling Jake, listening to the counts actually be read out <laughs> isn't something I look forward to. But uh, it's still, as I said, it's, it's an enjoyable night and, um, you know, even just the... You know, the footy highlights they show throughout the night makes it bearable. But, yeah, just put the votes <laughs> up on the screen for me and show me footy highlights. Jake, you got to build the suspense. <laughs> Jake, you said before that um, it's almost unique in a way, the Brownlow, because you know what the players have been able to do before uh, you can actually well, – uh, sorry, you, you put your money on after you've seen what the players have already done. So it's not like you're waiting for the game to happen. And that's, that's why exactly right. It's, it's very unique in that sense. It's like – I always say it's like um, – from a betting point of view, it's like it's like watching a game without a score in the corner, and then basically trying to work out who's won the game, um, and 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 betting on it that way. So we've seen everything that's happened. We've seen every game. If you want, you can go back. You can look at countless predictors. You can do all the analysis analysis that you like, um, and you can then try and extrapolate that and work out who will. Will win, and, and just for just for something that that keeps bugging me is people. And I, whenever I say I do all this stuff and I spend hours and hours putting time and effort into this, people always say, "Oh, who's going to win? Who's going to win?" The best thing to bet on is not the winner, particularly this year. There are four players, as I said, that are within a vote or two of each other. I wouldn't be touching the winner. Uh, it's just there's no value in it right now. It's it's too tight to call. So. There's other things that you want to be looking at uh, on Brownlow night, but um, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. We certainly will. Uh, you did mention the hours and hours of work you put in. We call it the ESPN Brownlow predictor, but really it's your Brownlow predictor that's on the website. You can find this if you just Google ESPN Brownlow predictor, or if you go to ESPN.com.au forward slash AFL, it's just there on the homepage. Um, tell us a little bit, bit about how it works because yours is not the traditional Brownlow predictor in, in the sense that you don't give out three, two, one for every game. No. So probably about five years ago, I, uh, as I said, all my life, I've been very much uh, in, a big fan of the Brownlow. Um, I remember my parents telling me that I'd sit there and watch the, you know, the 1997 Brownlow medal, just like glued to the screen. You know, I, I loved it. Always had. Um, 
But about five or six years ago, I was um, just following all the normal predictors, the AFL predictor and a a couple of other ones, and they all vote three, two, one. And I found that the margin, there's not much, there's quite a large margin for error when you're voting three, two, one. Um, And I just thought there has to be a better way of doing it. So for example, the the, the best way I I like to explain the way I do it is, um, and, and this is a quite simplistic way of looking at it, but. For example, if, there are, if, if you have a game and there are two players who are the clear standouts, rather than trying to pick who's the best player and giving one of them three and the other two, I give both of them two and a half. Um, and what that does is it reduces your margin for error. So what happens is the worst case scenario with the AFL or, or other predictors that are voting three, two, one, worst case scenario is if they get it, if they get it that order wrong, they're, they're a full vote off. Uh, worst case scenario with mine is your half a vote off and over the course of the season that reduces your margin for error. and so the variance reduces and you're more likely to have a more accurate result at the end of the season so you're still giving out if you're giving out three I still give out six votes for the for each game right um, and it can be any combination of you know some votes i do give three two one if there, if i feel like there is a clear best on ground a clear second and a clear uh third but it's quite rare i'd say probably one in ten games i might vote exactly like that three two one but usually there might be two players that receive two and a half um but any combination of any any combination that adds up that total six we've still got to give six votes you can't be going and giving nine votes in a game the umpires will only give six um obviously they do it three two one um but the way i do it as i said it, it reduces that that variance over the course of the of the season um so you're more likely to get an accurate result Right. And so some players then would have ended the season with, say, 19 and a half votes. So it might look a bit odd, but it, yeah, it works. It and some people that we've received a few little interesting comments from people who have clearly not gone in and had a look at it. But um, some <laughs> of the graphics we've put up on the socials, I think we had Tuke Miller on 27.5. Um, and yeah, a few people sort of saying, I'm interested to see the game where he polls half a vote. Well, no, he's not going to finish on a 0.5, but as I said, it will reduce that variance over time. So, uh, yes, that explains that. Read read beyond the headline. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Christian, I guess just purely looking at what Jake does from a statistical analysis point of view, does it make sense to be doing that sort of stuff and divvying up the votes more than just your regular 321? Does it make sense? No, he's nailed it. Nailed, yeah, no, the explanation was perfect as well. And it's um, exactly what we do. Um, we have our own sort of Brownlow predictor um, using machine learning, which again, I can mm. describe in more detail soon. But yeah, we're exactly the same. Split up the, the six total votes amongst, um, you know, a variance of players, depending on the percentage of likeliness that they're going to get uh, the three votes. And yeah, for any game you look at, I don't, you know, I don't think we've got a hundred percent that someone's going to get three votes in the game. I think we were just discussing before, Josh Bruce, 10 goals was 2.7 and a few more 2.7s across the board. But yeah, hard to sort of just guarantee that someone's going to get three votes in, in any game across the season. Jake, uh, you said it was quite tight or it would, would likely be quite tight at the top. I guess probably now is the best time to run us through who you think your top five would be and how many votes they're going to be getting. Yeah, it's extremely tight. I can't remember. Well, I can't really remember two players being this tight at the top, let alone, as I said, four um, with a couple more just below. So uh, as things stand right now, my winner is Ollie Wines with 32 votes. Um, Clayton Oliver and Jack Steele will tie for second on 31. And 
Fourth will be Marcus Bontempelli on 30. And then I've got Miller back on 27.5, as I said before. So that's my top five right now. So um, five players uh, polling quite high. Obviously, four of them polling 30, which hasn't happened before. I was going to say, um, that would be quite unusual, wouldn't it? It would be quite unusual, but the the there's no reason why they can't. Um, the votes are there. The As I said, I, I actually take a more cautious approach than anything when it comes to, to allocating the votes. But... Um, yeah, I think there's, I, I can certainly see all four of those guys polling certainly in excess of 27, 28 votes. What's your track record with picking winners, by the way? I didn't ask you this before, but I probably should have. Well, winners, purely just the winners. I've picked six of the last seven. Um, having okay. said that, it's not overly impressive because most of the winners, as I said, have been quite, uh, I, I mean, most people that would put any kind of time into this would get, would be getting um, most of those right. Um, but yeah, I think most for for the most part, like this is going to be a, a tricky one. If I so mm. if if I can get this this year's one, I'll be quite happy. Um, if you do want to follow along while you're listening, we, you can get up the the ESPN Brownlow predictor and, and just see to see what how we how we're looking at this and who the top five and top ten and beyond is, Jake. But uh, potentially, if you had to look at some of the most like bigger surprises for the evening that you can predict, like it could be someone who's going to top a team's uh, voting count who, who might be a bit of a surprise number or uh, someone falling short of expectations. Have you got anything on there that sort of jumps out as you as a bit strange? Yeah, so a couple of things. So firstly, um, I'll give you a couple of players that might poll better than expected. So Luke Parker is someone I've always been a big fan of as a player. And he does, he, he's always polled really well, Luke Parker, Sydney. Um, again, Sydney won a lot of games. Um, they played well. He's generally the player that, that you notice. Um, he probably didn't have a great first half of the season, but he came storming home. I've got him finishing on 22 and really, really close to that top 10, um, right on the cusp of the top 10, um, 22 votes. A lot of other predictors have him sort of around that 17 to 18 mark. So I think he might poll a little bit better than expected and think he's good value to top Sydney's, Sydney's count. Um, ahead of Callum Mills. Um, the, on the other side of the coin, the, the one I think might poll a little bit less than expected is Rory Laird. Um, another good player, another player that wins a lot of the ball, but I guess the, the couple of things with Laird is um, Crows obviously didn't win a, a huge amount of games. Again, some some predictors have him polling 22, 23. I've got him down around 16. Um, so it's not a huge gap, but it's but it's a it's a big enough. If you're going from 23 to 16, that's probably going from ninth to to 18th or something like that. So it's a it's a fair drop, but I think it'll be quite tight in that that middle band from 10th to 10th to 20th. Um, yeah, and I think early in the season when Adelaide won a few games and and were playing well, it was Taylor Walker who's probably getting the three votes in the in the first three games. Um, he did play well throughout the season, but probably picked up a lot of his touches in in losses so more likely to pick up ones than twos and threes so that's probably where i'm looking with laird um i think ben cunnington might surprise with with a few votes um got him winning north melbourne's um reasonably comfortably ahead of jai simpkin a lot of people have that quite close um but the one i wouldn't be touching in terms of a team winner is brisbane um jared Lyons, i got 19 and hugh mccluggage 18.5 around that mark I just don't think it's there's value in in taking either of them. Um, Lions is the if you're going to take one, I'd take McCluggage for the value at three to one. But I certainly wouldn't be taking Lions. I think it's way too close. The only thing that probably works in Lions' favour is, as we were just discussing before we start, is 
McCluggage, as great as he was in the first half of the year, he's not yet a proven a proven vote getter. So we don't know how he's going to go with the umpires yet. And that does that is important. Um, and it's the same with someone like Darcy Parrish too. As good as he was, he's not someone who's polled votes in the past. And it usually takes you a bit of time to get noticed because it's not a computer that, you know, we can use all the analysis and data that we want. But at the end of the day, it's, a hu- it's human beings that are making this call and they can make mistakes if they're not looking for players. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I think that's that's fascinating to sort of consider when you think about stuff like that, and and that someone can probably have a better year, but if they're a, you know first or a second year player, or they just haven't had time in the midfield, um, a la a Darcy Parish, they might just not be as front of mind to the umpires as as, as other players. Yeah, I think um, what will I think what will help Parish um, as opposed to someone like McCluggage is the fact that. Parrish's standout games were really real standout games, and not only that, three of his three of his games he won the 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 medal for best best on ground. So I mean that's a presentation that's done that's clearly seen by the umpires. I think <laughs> you can almost pencil in those nine votes there. You think they're influenced by who they see? I think they do, and I think probably by the halfway point of the season when Parrish went on that run from I think week nine to twelve, where he potentially gets four best on grounds in a row. Um, that was kind of the point where everyone was sort of talking about him. And I think from that point on, he's probably more likely to pick up votes. Um, I'd be surprised. Uh, but again, Anzac Day early on, round six, he'll probably get the th- I mean, he's almost certain to get the three there. And round three, he was very good too. So I Don't think... Don't forget how- the revered country game, Jake. Yes. Um, what's the medal called in that? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but yes, so I think Parrish will pop poll quite well. And again, Essendon's one's tough too. Parrish versus Merritt, very tight. I got Parrish marginally ahead, um, but I certainly wouldn't be backing either of them. I think it's pretty close to call. And Merritt's another player who polls quite well. Uh, if you do have a spare half an hour, an hour or, or even longer ahead of Brownlow night, highly recommend you check out uh, ESP or Jake, sorry, Jake's email, uh, ESPN predictor. Uh, I'd love to say that we had something to do with it, but it's all him and he's done a, a fantastic job and put uh, tons and tons of man hours into it. So have a look, see what you can find there and uh, look, let us know how you go at footy tips on Twitter. Christian, Champion Data also has a Brownlow predictor. Um, you said before, or you hinted before, that it's a machine learning sort of system. So please, I guess, explain how the votes come about, how the votes are given, and, and what this, I guess, machine learning does. Yeah, so, yeah, we've probably been similar to Jake. Probably had a Brownlow predictor probably, I think, for almost 10, 11 years now. I think we our first one, we predicted Jimmy Bartel to win or something and he might have won that year and it goes all the way back to there but it's been refined probably five or ten five or ten times since then and where i've ended up and you know i think we've used the same one for the last two or three is it's basically yeah it's machine learning based on previous polling history how the votes have been given previously in the past and what stats correlate with being given those votes uh really looking at the zone those stats so we know obviously it's, it's the midfield zone where a lot of the weightings given to to stats one um yeah, previous polling history of the player as well. So we sort of know that there is certain umpire bias, if you like, to certain players. Um, and, and you know, we'll talk more, more depth about more players uh, soon, but Darcy Parrish is the great example, as Jake spoke about. We've, we've got him on 10 votes uh, predicted, which is currently 28th in the Brownlow medal, but it's because previously coming into the season, he polled two career Brownlow votes. So he never, you know, had as much midfield time and hadn't had as big a games. But even our predictor is probably 
you know, going to be a year behind predicting Parrish if the umpires do start to notice him and fall in love with him this year. And as Jake said, you know, you give him the the three best on grounds in a row when he's winning the medals, um, you know, we're predicting him to get certain votes in those games, but probably not as high because Merritt is the other one in his team that does have that umpire bias sort of weighted towards him. So we've probably got Merritt, I think we, yeah, Merritt on 19.8 votes. And again, similar to Jake, we don't have full votes given out. We've got decimal points because of the the way the voting's given out. Um, and yeah, Darcy Parrish on 10. So you can sort of see that yeah, even using this machine learning, sometimes the umpire bias is hard to sort of, to predict coming into this coming into the season. Well, as you said, like Jake, um, these are done by human beings. So you can kind of have these machines that take into account stats and, and where the ball is won and all that sort of stuff. But uh, you're right. You can't, it's, it's almost like you need to, to find a little algorithm that can be in place for a player who does yeah. start to get noticed midway through the year uh, and does sort of start to, to, you know, prick the ears of the umpires as they're walking off the ground. They go, oh, yeah. That, that's well, I've had many theories that. over the years. I mean, one of them that I've always spoken about is the player that gets interviewed after the game. I feel, uh, I was just mentioning to you guys, I'll, I'll this is just on the down low, but I've um, I've actually recorded every single player that's been interviewed immediately after <laughs> on the broadcast. I've got a list of every player that was interviewed after every game, and I'm going to see how that correlates to the votes in this year. It's the first time I've done it. So stay tuned for the answers there, because if that has some sort of bearer, then that'll be factored into next year's predictions as well. Um, but yeah, there are there are theories like that, but there's some things you just you just can't. You can't know. And I mean, like, look at that Bulldogs game against North Melbourne where Josh Bruce kicked 10. I mean, every every man and his dog will give him three votes in the predictor. But what if the umpires don't give him the three? <laughs> like, there's no, guarantee, there's no guarantee that he gets the three. I mean, I've yeah. got him with the three. I'd be stunned if he didn't get it. But at the end of the day, they are human beings. And um, I guess for, for something like that, where you kick 10 goals, it's more, you're more likely to, to get the three when you kick 10 goals. than if you have 40 touches and uh, so, I mean, there was a game, I reckon Parrish's first, that first game where he had about 38 touches, but the one before Anzac day, I, I didn't notice he, he played because I, I personally wasn't used to watching Parrish rack up the ball. So that's the sort of thing we're talking about players that whether it's Parrish, whether it's McCluggage, um, there's certain players that haven't polled that well in the past. Um, and then on the other hand, there are players that do poll quite well, like Merritt, like Parker, uh, those type of players. So, yeah, it, it's there's so many ways you can look at it. There's so many factors that you can that you can factor in. But where does it end? Uh, Christian, what, what does Champion Data's top five look like and how many votes do they have? Yeah, so we got Ollie Wines, um, 30.5 votes predicted. Uh, so number one, same as Jake's got him. But yeah, sort of pretty much a fair way from second uh, compared to Jake's count. Jack Steele, uh, 24.6 and Jack McRae, 24.5. So obviously split it by 0.1 of a prediction there. That's an interesting uh, one, McRae. So McRae, I've got him down in 13th on mine. So I've only got him polling 19 votes, McRae. 19.5 votes, McRae. Um, yeah, and he's another one that I think last year um, a lot of predictors had him and Bontempelli, uh quite close together. And I think he outpolled Bontempelli by five votes or so last year. Um, and I think he might have outpolled him the year before. So, again, in terms of, yeah, looking at past history and the bias of those two, um, you know, he's come up slight ahead. So fourth is Clayton Oliver, 23.7. Then we've got Bont at fifth at 23.4. So, uh, you know, 1.1 predicted votes away from Jack McRae. Um, you know, and you could almost give that 1.1 1. 1 
uh, weighting just based on the bias of previous polling history. So there's there's no reason for that not to be able to flip quite easily in, in Bont to finish on top of McRae by the end of the night. But the thing that jumps out to me about that is that Wines is almost six votes ahead of the next best player and votes and both of you have him over 30 votes. Um, is that something you could like if if there's value anywhere, could it be potentially looking at something like Wines to get more than 30 votes? I think so. And, and it stands out for us on our one as well, because Travis Boak is probably similar to what we're saying with McRae versus Bond, Zach Merritt versus Parrish. Travis Boak's, uh, well, Oli Wines always had a great umpire bias and Travis Boak's also had one as well. Travis Boak's had a great year. We've got him only getting 18.4 project, projected votes. And the other thing with Oli Wines, he's always polled well. And I've saw Jake's, you know, seen how he's polled previously. He's had a career best season. He's got eight more touches per game, you know, eight more times to be noticed. I think three more contested possessions than he's ever averaged. Um, so he's probably been, you know, his output's probably 10, 15% higher than any other season he's had. Um, and he's been a previous poll, you know, a, a good poll in the Brownlow. So again, we've got him on 30.5 um, with, you know, Travis Boak, as I said, taking a few votes off him. But if the bias sort of swings towards wines, you know, by the mid season, he'd, He'd be easily into 32, 33 votes, you'd think. This has always been the biggest frustration I have with people talking about the Brownlow is, oh, such and such steals votes off such and such. Well, let's let's face it. The other 22, the other, well, 45 players out there now are stealing votes off you. Every other player can take the votes off you in any game. So, you know, the thing, whether people say, oh, Petrarca's taking votes off Oliver or Boak's taking votes off Wines. Okay, well, they might, might be they might be splitting more of the votes, but... They're also winning more games than a Sam Walsh at Carlton or a Jack Steele at St. Kilda. So I think I don't read too much into that. I never really have. I've always thought that that kind of idea was a little bit overrated. Just going back to Ollie Wines, though, and I think I've never had a player um, in the in all the years I've been doing this potentially polling in as many games as Ollie Wines. I've had so so the year Dustin Martin won, I had him polling more votes um, when he polled 36. But I didn't have Martin polling in as many games. I've I've got I've only got two games, round three and round eight, where I say that Wines won't poll anything. Round twelve they had the buy port. Every other game I've got him potentially um, polling votes. And from round thirteen to round twenty three, uh, I've got him polling up to eighteen votes in that after the buy, which I mean is incredible. And I'm not saying he will poll in twenty games, but um, we know that as the season went on, more and more focus came on wines. Um, and as you've, if you, you only have to look in, at previous years, and when when the attention's on a player, those ones quickly turn into twos, and the twos turn into threes. So I think wines will. I think wines can poll thirty, which is quite interesting to look at the AFL's uh, predictor because they've only got him on nineteen votes. Couldn't believe that. Whack. Just had to get that one in there, didn't you? <laughs> Just on wines, we're the same as you. Yeah, uh, no chance for votes in round three. Uh, but even in round eight, we've got a 0.3, you know, votes for him. So, um, and again, that goes back to, you know, he's, he's probably polled a one vote playing just as well in previously in the past. There's a, there's a chance he sneaks a vote in that night, Jake, and, um, you know, adds to, adds to your tally. Well, will anyone ever poll a vote in every game for a season? Jeez, that'd be, what an effort that would be. You'd have to be the top three players on the ground in every single game. Unreal. Uh, biggest surprises, Christian, anything jump out at you from champion data's list that might interest our listeners? No, I mean, again, we always talk about the top and the leaders, but the one that interests me, and again, just that sums up how we're sort of how this, you know, machine learning works and how much it is to do with, um, 
predicting the votes of the Brownlow, not predicting the best player on the ground. So we've got Nick Natanui as our, you know, using player ratings as our number one rated player this year, um, you know, and uh, ahead of, you know, I think Petrarca and Gordon were up there as well. But he, we're predicting him to get 2.7 votes. Just basically, I don't think he's ever had more than 10 votes in a season. I think he's only had about five or six in the past three years and things like that. So you can sort of see how different it is trying to, trying to figure out who's the best statistically the player is. We've, we've, we've got Nat Nui highly, but trying to predict the Brownlow medal and where the votes are going to be given, we sort of know that he just doesn't attract the vote. So it's interesting because he won the best and fairest and may only end up with two point, what was it? Seven votes. Yeah, we've got him on 2.7 with... Uh, well, I've got him with a few... I've got him with on six, but again, I, that's, I've, I've, I've got Gaff, Cali, Sheed, and potentially Darling all finished he, he, above him. He was also uh, the ruck in the champion data's All-Stats All-Australian as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Off the top yeah. of my head, yeah. yeah it's interesting yeah. how that works. So you can get these accolades, but on Brownlow night, it's still very much a midfielder's award. Well, I always, I always said you could, you could play 200 games and be the fourth best player on the ground every game. And you'll never poll a Brownlow vote, but you'll have been a fa- you'll be an, a, a hall of fame player. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. So it, it's an, it's a bit of a quirk of the system that the whole Brownlow, there, there are two things. Should the Brownlow votes be five, four, three, two, one, or, and should the umpires be voting on the Brownlow medal? Mm. No, look, right. questions for another day, I think, for sure. Uh, Christian, any other surprises before we move on to some uh, some of the best bets on the night? No, again, so, uh, yeah, just looking at, you know, obviously looking ahead to the game uh, next week. But as I said, went through the top five. So we've got Wines and Steel top two, Port Adelaide, St Kilda. But just, yeah, McRae, Oliver, Bontempelli and Petrarca uh, um, from three to six. And you can throw in Max Gorn, who we've, you know, even we're speaking about Nat Nui and Ruckman, we've still got him predicted to get 20.9 votes uh, this year so even that's even based on the umpire bias we talked about in previous polling history he's, he's played really really well and um, has come up really highly in the predictor so you know he's still only third at Melbourne so I don't think he's a he's a chance to you know sneak in their most votes at the club or anything but um you've got him yeah, you're gone on 20.9 did you say yeah sitting at ninth I had him uh, on 17 on- and I thought I, I, I feel that might be a touch high but- well, geez, you're both above 15 so maybe gone 15 plus is, is something there or who knows? Um, what's interesting because this is now Never man. Trust a ruckman. <laughs> this is man versus machine here. This is Jake versus the might of champion data. Uh, we can do maybe a review in uh, in the, the next pod if we get a bit of a time just to go back and one of you can gloat and, and say that you've got the better predictor. Um, some of the best bets for the night, if you had to pick your five best bets, gentlemen, Jake, I might ask you first if you can sort of whip um, through these. There, there's so many. I, I've spent hours and hours and hours on all this on all these um, predictors and everything, looking at all the stuff. As I said off the top, I think people generally get sucked into betting on the winner. Um, and, and sometimes that's fine. But this year, I think the it's just too hard to pick. And I think clearly, I mean, I know Christian's got wines a fair way ahead and I've got him top two, but uh, top as well. But I just don't have him winning it, in my opinion, by that much where I'm comfortable putting money on him to win it. So I'm looking at other things. Someone asked me uh, earlier, earlier in the week, what's the best way to double their money so what's the best way to get two to one odds for the brownlow medal so here's gamble responsibly gamble responsibly but here's the best way i think you can double your money wines to finish top five oliver to finish top five petrarca to finish top 10 steel to finish top 10 and merit to finish top 20 i think that that that'll double your money that'll be slightly more than two to one odds i think that is a very, very, very easy way to double your money. Gamble responsibly. 
Uh, anything um, a bit quirky? Uh, uh, team toppers? Anything? Anything? Yeah. So, so te- teams is always the other one that people like to bet on. And there, there are there are nine that I'll go with. I think I'm not going with all of them. But if I were wanting, to, if I wanted to feel comfortable, the nine I'd be going with would be the Goey, Mundy, uh, Josh Kelly, Guthrie, Oliver, Boak, um, and that's the without Ollie Wines market. Dustin Martin, Luke Parker, and the Bond. So I'd be going those nine, and that'll pay seven to one around that mark for those nine players to top their their counts. Again, the Boke one is without Ollie Wines um, in that. Um, and just a couple of other ones. So I, I'm actually, I think it's quite clear. I think the, the Bond might not poll as well as people predict. A lot of people expect him to just finish top, top two. I've actually got him outside the three in mine and in a couple of other kind of predictors that I do that I don't publish online. I've got him also finishing fourth or fifth. So the box trifecta that I really like is uh, Oliver Steel Wines in any order. Um, those three to be the top three in any order. And that's paying 11 to one. I think that's fantastic odds for those three um, to be top three in any order at 11 to one. Um, another one I, I really like, and I'm, I'll get to my favorite bet of the, of the Brownlow, but just before that one, one other one. Um, there's a there's a little special going on at the moment for and this will pay two two dollars seventy, but Walsh, Parish, Miller, Steele, Oliver, Bontempelli, and Petrarca, all to have four or more three vote best on ground games. So I think that's all highly likely. So I've got Walsh with six, Parish seven, Miller six, Steele seven, Oliver seven, Bont nine, and Petrarca uh, six. Um, and I think that's paying two seven. I think that's very likely. And as we, we've touched on before, the umpires, if, if it's always an unsure, the, the bigger name gets the three votes. I mean, so you can be pretty confident with, with that one, I think. And my favorite bet of the Brownlow, which has actually shortened in um, over the last 48 hours, it was seven to one and it's now five to one. I still think it's good value at five to one uh, is another combo one. So it's Merritt and Parrish to combine for 42 I've got them on 46. Petrarca and Oliver to combine for 55. I've got them around 60. Bont and Pally and McRae to combine for 45. I've got them on 50. And Wines and Boak to combine for 50. I've got them on about 54. And that's paying, as I said, five to one. I think all four of them, all four of those combos do come up. You said that was a special, not that we want to give any plugs uh, unnecessarily, but is there that, is that, that somewhere? Is a, that is a special. A couple of them are specials on um, on a betting site that is blue <laughs> and has a bogan guy doing the ads for them. So get on that, get on that one. Um, but no, you, there's a lot of there's oh, tons shit. and tons of stuff out there. I mean, there's there's heaps of stuff you can go. The Ollie Wines to fit to poll in the most games. We just said Christian and I both have him polling in a lot of games. You can get two seventy five on on Wines to poll in the most games. Um, he's the second favorite. Oliver's actually a favorite to poll in the most games. But I like Wines in that market. Um, but the but the if, if if there's one thing I think is an absolute certainty, it's Christian Petrarca to finish top ten. It's a dollar forty. I'm stunned that that's. I, I can't believe that's not about a dollar five. $1.40 for Petrarca to finish top 10. I, I I think every predictor I've seen has got him finishing about fifth or sixth. So, uh, yeah, there's lots to bet on. Gamble responsibly. Um, but, yeah, it should be a cracker. Uh, very good. Christian, I don't know if, if you're able to, in your position, uh, offer any insights about what you would be looking at. <laughs> but if there, if there was, do you, do you have any? Or is that I, a I, non-champion again, yeah, we, data? We, I mean, 
week <laughs> bet on football anyway. So I haven't looked at all the markets, but yeah, just an interesting one. I, you know, David Mundy, don't know how short he is. We've got Andrew Brayshaw, a um, couple of votes ahead of him. So he might be, might be one um, chance to look at. And also for, yeah, I mean, we do have Jared Lyons on 18 and Zorko only on 13. Um, but again, there's not, you know, they're 15th and 18th place. So maybe even Dane Zorko, a cheeky one, you know, with, with a lot of, um, I think the markets would be leaning towards Lyons and McCluggage to lead the Brisbane count. Um, you know, Zorko's had an okay season and, and, and has been a previously a good polar. So uh, yeah, Brayshaw and Zorko might be a couple of names that might sort of stand out for their clubs. And again, yeah, Cam Guthrie, 19.1, 13th, um, you know, could you bet on him for the top top 15 or top 10? You know, he might be a chance. Um, again, just sort of well ahead of any other Geelong player, really, um, for the vote. So, yeah, when Geelong play well, he, he'll usually get the one or two, you'd think, at least. Very good, uh, team. If you're looking for any other special little tips or anything like that, just go to Twitter and hit up J. Michaels ESPN because I'm sure you'll yeah, be more can, than happy. Uh, you can abuse me there. Hey, um, <laughs> who wins, Matt? Who, who's, who you got? I, I, I've got to say, the Brownlow is just not my sort of event, but I will happily follow both of your leads and say that Ollie Wines will win. <laughs> I, I think it'll be Wines or Oliver. I, I think I think, um, I think Bont and Steele probably are, are either the, a lot of threes or nothings. I think... I think Wines and Oliver, there's too many games that they could both poll in. I think it'll be one of those. I'll stick with Wines, as the predictor says, but I wouldn't be surprised if Oliver was to win it by a couple of votes. Very good. Uh, Christian, thanks for joining us, offering Champion Data's insight as always. Jake, thanks for all the man hours you put into ESPN's Brownlow Predictor. Uh, it's done some good page views for us this year, so it's paying the bills, which is nice. And to everyone at home, thanks for listening. Hope you uh, found an interesting nugget. Enjoy the Brownlow, gamble with uh, some responsibilities, and we'll speak to you on Tuesday when we've got Josh Dunkley on the pod, pod Jake. Yeah, we do. He's back uh, preparing for a grand final over in Perth, so it'll be good to have a chat with him again, um, and I'm sure we'll we'll revisit the Brownlow briefly, especially, <laughs> especially if my, our predictions are, are way off, if Petrarca wins or something. <laughs> Christian, uh, maybe you can come up with some uh, pieces of advice for dunks for for teams that win grand finals what they're most likely to do and beat their opposition in and he can take that back to bevo and the group and, and give them a bit of a leg up oh, i think i think <laughs> i'll be to probably uh, be able to deliver a bit more better message than me but no I look forward to look forward to having dunks for four days out from a granny be good. yeah good stuff it'll be uh, an interesting chat of course and uh to everyone at home we'll speak to you in the next one listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the espn footy pod wherever you get your podcasts